All right, good afternoon, everyone. And I prepared a message. It's a good message. And uh, I have it printed out, six, seven pages. I was ready to go. And during Sunday Swim, uh, I just felt strongly that the Lord said, uh, you're not going to preach that message. So I said, I'm not going to preach that message. All right, then uh, what should I preach on, Lord? Uh, And so I'm going to preach uh, on something that God highlighted in passing uh, that I feel like he's putting strongly in my heart to address to you today. Uh, Today's message is exclusively for Newfoundland Hongdae. So everyone that's here at this campus specifically. So if you're a leader from a different campus, there's no need to smart comment on this sermon. I only expect the Hongdae leaders to smart comment on it. And if you don't want to listen to the message and you're from a different campus, you can free, you feel free to cut it off right now. Uh, but for Newfoundland Hongdae, I pray the Lord will give you eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to this covenant community right now. I want you to turn to Numbers chapter 13. Now, I'm a man who likes structure and planning, but our God is sovereign and he's under the impression that uh, he can invade on my plans and structure whenever he wants. And if he so desires, and if it pleases him, then so be it. So today I'm going to preach on the message that I feel like uh, God highlighting for New Philly Hongdae at this hour. Let's look at Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to read from verses 1 through 4. And I'm going to skip some verses. And we're going to go from 17 to 21. And so I'm not going to read the entire chapter. Many of you may have already read it before. If you haven't, be sure to go home and read it on your own time. But I'm going to give you the gist of the context of this story here and then preach out of this passage. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers is in the Old Testament, if you're still looking for it. Verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read in the ESV. The Lord said to Moses, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send one man, everyone a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. And these were their names. From the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, And on and on and on and on. Let's go to verse 17. Okay. There is just the names of the 12 spies, one from each tribe that was sent out. Go to verse 17. Moses sent them out to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, 
And whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage. Bring some of the fruit of the land. I'm hungry. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Verse 21. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rahab near Lebo Hamath. All right. And then it, it talks about all the different areas that they went to, including Hebron. And they brought back a cluster of grapes on a stick between the two of them. And so on and so on. The purpose of this spying mission of these 12 spies was to scout out the goodness of the land that God had promised to give to Moses? Uh Uh-uh. God had promised to give this land to who? Oh, wow. Do we not know? No. Do we not know our Bible here? Okay. Okay. No, no, no. Abraham. Okay. The land was promised to Abraham. Read your Bibles. What is going on? Genesis chapter 12. Okay. Go read the narrative. Their forefathers of Israel, right? The Israeli people was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And for all three men, what did God do? He gave the promise. And he confirmed the promise and he confirmed it again to make sure that all of Israel's descendants, all of Jacob's descendants will get it in their mind that God meant business. That he was going to give them this particular geographical land to them. And it was promised on oath. So the scouting mission here was to go out and scout out this land That was promised to their forefathers. Now you have to understand that these Israelites. Although they were in slavery for many many years. They knew their roots. They have become millions and millions in just a few generations. So it wasn't like they were far removed. They knew their roots. And they knew the story of Abraham. And knew the story of Isaac and of Jacob. And they knew the promises that God had given to them. And so the scouting mission was not to decide whether they should possess it or not. The purpose was to scout it out to see how good it is. And this is what happened when the 12 spies returned. Look at verse 25. Numbers 13, 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. They came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. We'll stop there. That's what I'm talking about right there. They went out to the land and they said, it is a good land flowing with milk And honey, check out the fruit. They went out, and that's a good report right there. You go out and you come back and you say, Pastor Christian, you know, we checked out the area of Hongdae. And it is a good area of Seoul. It's filled with artists, a few crazy people, a lot of clubbers. But clubbers need Jesus. But it's a good area of the city. 
And I can understand why we want to lay our roots down there. Why we would want to go and, and, and bring the glory of the Lord and shine it in that area of the city. But it's a good area. That's what the spies came up back, back saying. It's a good land. Whether it's the city of Seoul or the city of Pusan or Sydney or just particular areas of the city, you go out and God promises to your leaders, I'm going to give you this section of city. In fact, this is not just the end of it. I'm going to give you good influence in the entire city and not just the city, but among the elders of this nation. And not just this nation of South Korea, but you're going to see the reunification of this land. When God makes such promises in the place of prayer, and he consistently confirms those things, and he's laid it on the hearts of a covenant community, so much so that it becomes part of our culture. It becomes part of our hope and our expectation that we are going to see these things come to pass. And as God has made us pregnant with these promises and hope, God will occasionally say, all right, go check it out. Go and tell me how good it really is. Let me show you because I don't think you realize how good it really is. You realize how purposeful I'm being. Let's keep reading. Verse 28. However. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. The people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Malachites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. However, this land is good. This land is rich. Look at the fruit of this land. There's these large buildings in the city of Seoul, in the area of Hongdae. There's all these wonderful restaurants that I would love to go check out and eat, eat in. There's all this wonderful riches. However, there are people in the land that are very strong, very rich. Landlords that are very ruthless. The city, this area of the city is fortified. And very large. The rent is too high. Zoning laws so strict. I mean, you ever you ever look at the city of Seoul and feel the same way? Especially those in here who are very young. And you don't possess any property of your own. You don't possess any land. Anyone in here, you have land under your name? You have land under your name. Anyone lucky enough to have land under your name? Nobody? Wow. Okay. So we have no landlords or landowners here. All right. So we're all tenants. All right. We, we got to move every year or two years. Because the landlord tries to raise our rent. We say, no, we ain't having that. We're going to go find something cheaper. Thank you. But have you ever looked at the city of Seoul and felt the same way? Oh, this is a good land. Good city. Beautiful, rich, so many purposes of God pregnant within its borders. Oh, but let me tell you, all that rent is so high. All the key money, all the deposit money to get an apartment in this city. What? In in New York, it's two months rent. 
in Idaho is half a month's rent. But here you got to come, come up with like 12 months rent for just deposit money. I got to have $20,000? What? I got to have $50,000? What? You know, the first time I ever heard of this concept, you know, of, you know, because I came from New York City. So it's just first and last month's rent, right? And, you know, if you have trouble, they kick you out and then you're supposed to leave within two months. But in Korea, I guess people don't pay rent very well. So these landlords got very controlling and said, you know what? Not two months rent. Uh, we need like two years of rent. So they make the uh, key money very, very large. So you get an apartment for about $1,000 in this city, and you'll probably need $20,000 down in order to secure the rent and lease on it. They'll give you all the money back when you move out most of the time, right? <laughs> but think about that. $20,000 to $1,000 rent, that's 20 months of rent. It's almost two years of rent. That's ludicrous. If you're married and you're about to have children or you have children, you know that for you to get a, a better apartment or a bigger apartment, you need not 20000 but 100000 Or if you want to really save money on rent, you're going to need 400000 300000 if you want to do chunset. The rent is too high. Pastor Christian, there's so many good things about this city. I'm all in. But let me tell you about the rent. Let me tell you about these evil landlords, man. You know, I, I stayed for a year and I was about to move out. And then my landlord told me that my contract automatically renewed. What kind of, what kind of junk is that? It's called the laws, the real estate laws of Korea. If you do not give your landlord two months notice, your lease automatically renews. They're not doing you an injustice, actually. That's actually just the real estate common laws here. Or just the common expectations. Now, a landlord can easily let you go from that if they don't feel like you're a good tenant and they won't let you go. But if they, if they, wanna, they can't find a new tenant, they'll just tell you, no, it's automatically lease renewed. You have to either pay for me to find another tenant, so you have to pay the real estate fees on that, or you stay. A lot of challenges, right, to living in this city, to seeing God's purposes fulfilled in this city. You know, you ever go to... Uh, is that how you say it? How do you say it, Isaac? I kept saying, That's wrong, huh? Oh, I kept telling taxi drivers, And they're like, Yeah? Ain't nobody tell you this. How come nobody tells you this? They should have a pronunciation like key on Korean fonts. Anyway, um, if you go there, it's on Yoido Island. Uh, what is it like? Capitol Hill for Korea? National Assembly, right? You know, you go to the National Assembly, you're like, whoa! Look at all these huge buildings. You ever go to Washington D.C.? Same feeling, right? You're like, wow! There's some powerful people running this land. There's some rich people running the show. How am I ever going to have influence in this land? And most Christians, they just give up before they start. That's exactly how these spies were feeling. You can hear the Israelites begin to panic and cry out while these ten spies are giving this report. You know? You know, what if one Sunday I say, God is pleased with us, and if he is continually pleased with us, 
He's going to take us up to possess the area of Hongdae. And we're going to have a major influence not only in Hongdae, but in the city of Seoul. And not only in the city, but eventually in this nation. So let us take possession of God's promises. And then the following week, somebody gets up on the mic. One of our active leaders or pastors who's having a very discouraging month. And they go, you know... I checked out Hongdae the other day, you know, and I was just looking around and there's just, and I, I, I even went on the real estate search with Daisy and I was just looking around these buildings and all the rent is so high and some of these landlords were very mean. Let me tell you, New Philly, we got to pray because I don't know if we can do this. I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to do this. You know, oh, the building fund, oh my goodness, we're only at 7% right now. And that's with all of the pledges in for the four years. How are we going to meet the other 93%? I don't think we're ever going to get there. And they start spreading these kinds of reports. You're going to start hearing from the congregation. They're going to be like, their hearts are going to start to melt. And they're going to be like, why, why do we come here then? Why do we name ourselves New Philly Hongdae? Why couldn't we be a little safer? Come on, New Philly South Seoul or New Philly East Seoul or something. Why Hongdae? Why are we, why are we all go all in like that? That's ridiculous. We have no room for grace. And people start to, you know, their hearts start to melt. That's exactly what happened to Israel. Ten spies start spreading this report. Look, there's these mean people, the Amalekites. Let me tell you about these Amalekites. Ooh. <laughs> the Amorites. You know? Uh, but something interesting ha- happens here. Verse 30. Caleb one of the 12 spies, he interrupts the report. Look at verse 30. But Caleb quieted the people. Hey, shut up, y'all. Stop the crying. Quiet down, everybody. Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Oh, come on. Somebody say amen. amen. Caleb, Caleb started preaching. Moses is like, I'm, I'm, I'm about to say something. I mean, these people are crying. I need to say something. And Caleb just gets up and says, shut up, everybody. Let me tell you something. We need men and women who have the spirit of Caleb. You see, what Caleb was saying wasn't out of wishful thinking or speculation. Caleb was saying what he was saying, remembering the supernatural plagues all 10 of them that hit Egypt. Remembering the parting of the Red Sea. The miraculous provision of manna and quail and water. The pillar of fire by night. And the cloud by day. Caleb probably had all of these things in mind. Including the promises that were made to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And from that place of faith. He, he said we got to go up and take this. No, we can't. No, we can. Because God has made this promise. This is not just a random plan we put together. This is not a random piece of land that we're scouting out. This is land that our forefathers, they stepped foot on. And God gave them clarity and said, I'm going to give it to you. We need men and women with the spirit of Caleb. Now, 
If you brought this similar kind of situation to our context, what would the spirit of Caleb sound like? Look, we got to possess Hongde. We got to go up and take it. Surely we'll be able to do it. Why? Why? I don't, I don't see us doing it. You saw the rent? Did you see the rent prices? What would the spirit of Caleb say? Remember the Lord your God. How new Philly, God has been faithful to you. How in your early years, you didn't know nothing about the Holy Spirit. All you knew was good Bible study and good Christ-like character. You didn't know nothing about the power of the Holy Spirit. And God poured out his spirit on, your, on his sons and daughters in the room. Freaked them out the first time. And then freaked them out a second time within six months. And then taught you how to steward the fire of the Holy Spirit by gathering to pray each week. And stirring up prayer movements within the church. Remember how the Lord faithfully provided you a shepherd. A shepherd in the spirit of David. A shepherd who is compassionate and kind. But also a visionary that does not back down. Who is not filled with fear or trying to please man. But his primary objective is to please God and to care for his people. And to not only care for them, but to heal them, deliver them, clean them up. And raise them up and mature them to an army of mighty warriors who are going to possess the gate of their enemies. Remember how the Lord your God was faithful to provide you with that pastor. (laughs) Remember all of the, the bondage you were in. The lack of clarity you lived in. The darkness where the only thing you can use as a compass for your life was your own soul. Which is being fickle, manipulated by, by predatory men, under control and domination, intimidation. Remember the, that bondage you were in and God set you free with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. With the mighty hand of Matthew Coe and the outstretched arm of Tina Lee. He brought you out of your Egypt. And he whispered sweet promises to you as you were in the wilderness. Remember how you've gone on missions trips to 18, 20 different nations where many churches are are happy to just go to an Indian reservation or to Mexico. You have access. You have keys to access and have honor in 18 to 20 different countries. Countries you did not even know about. A people groups. You go to India and you realize there are billions of people in India. People groups in India you didn't even know about. The Naga people, the Kuki people. Myanmar, Nepal, Indonesia. You didn't even know West Papua considers themselves their own nation apart from Indonesia. All these people groups you didn't even know about and I sent you there. And how the Lord faithfully confirmed the preaching of the word through signs and wonders and miracles. How on one West Papua trip, we saw 118, 80% or better physical healings. And we did not exaggerate those numbers. We were conservative about counting those numbers. Remember how the Lord moved mightily amongst your midst. 
That's the spirit of Caleb right there. Remember how when you started your first church plant, people said you ain't going to last. How there were other church plants at that time planted and started by mighty men of God with more resources, mega churches that were starting their church plants for English ministries at that time. And people said, yours is not going to last. Where are you meeting? What? King Bar on Hooker Hill? What are you, crazy? What are you trying? You're trying to like do the novelty thing? No, we're not doing the novelty thing. We do, we're doing that because we believe light belongs in the darkness. And this crazy bar owner let us rent it out for Sundays. <laughs> she was a little scary. I don't know what she was involved with, but, you know, she let us start there. And that's where we started. And people say you wouldn't last. And we did. And now New Philly Ite won. Seeing 100 people each week. An army of 50 warriors there. And, and continue to grow. Led by a young man. African-American man from North Carolina who didn't know nothing. Who had no, he did not have a history in the church. Got saved just a few years earlier. Was under the discipleship of Pastor Christian, but was making mistakes every single week. Every single week was just repentance. <clears throat> and me just telling him, the Lord still loves you. <laughs> the Lord still loves you and I love you. That was every, I couldn't get into the Bible with this guy. And the Lord, how he turned his life around. And how he graduated from college. Which was not something common in his family. And how he got ordained. Not just from college, but got a master's degree in divinity. Got ordained. And now he's leading this church. With every church plan we've done. There were, there were the, uh, the doubters. But, you know, we don't, we don't push forward based on the percentage of approval ratings. We push forward based on whether enough men and women of God are, are confirming that this is from the Lord. And whether these are reasonable steps of faith that we can take. And we are willing to pay the price of those, of those costs. God has been so faithful to our congregations. Even just Sydney, Australia. You know, I, I didn't have the most comprehensive plan, I'll admit, for, for our church plan in Sydney. And our Sydney team will tell you. You know, our four horsemen will tell you, you know, it's just, you know, you got to go week by week. And, you know, Pastor Christian was so busy during that year finishing up his seminary degree, he didn't really pay attention to us that much. You know, I just shot them this video, but the video was all poor quality. And, the, and it took like a whole year before the quality of the video even got better. And they're just watching videos. And they just, and the, but God has been faithful. Provided eight crazy people from Seoul, that, uh, from, from Korea, so, and one from Busan, so seven and one. Eight people who've moved out to Australia, of which one of them right now is working at a farm to extend her visa for one extra year to sow into the kingdom of God. What are you doing with your life? Well, I don't want to be working at no farm. Well, if you work at a farm for the glory of God, I bet you heaven's talking about that. Instead of the safe little job you're taking on. I mean, God has been faithful. The spirit of Caleb would look at this faithfulness, look at the signs and wonders. And say, we got to go up. In the context of all these things, if we don't go up. 
This is not just unbelief. This is straight up rebellion. God didn't one day say, surprise, let's go to the land of Canaan. I mean, this is hundreds of years of God speaking it out. You have to understand that. The Israelites were not slapped in the face with it one day. And neither were you. The Lord said that he was going to release us from Cheir Songdo's uh, structure so that we can become an independent church. Now, we didn't tell you all of that. Uh, we just told the, some of the mature leaders that because, you know, we didn't want some of y'all to panic or I don't know how you would have responded. But if you would have responded with faith, you think you would have responded with faith. But good for you. I don't know. I don't know if that would have been true. Not everybody knew about that. I understand that. But look, we, I casted the same heart from that. It was like, come on, we got to get ready. We got to get ready to steward more. We got to get ready for growth. We got to get ready for influence. We got to get ready. We got to mature ourselves now. We got to raise up more warriors. We got to continue church plan in Asia and in Oceania. We got to keep doing this. Because God is pleased with us and God's going to continue to fulfill his purposes. Let's look at verse 31. Let's keep reading. Then the men who had gone up with Caleb said, Caleb, you crazy. We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. They work out more. They have protein shakes. And creatine and state-of-the-art spears and shields. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they have spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. Well, now they're getting very imag- imaginative. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. Strange details they're adding now. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Adak, who come from the Nephilim. Uh, you know, there's arguable what Nephilim means, but some people, you know, traditionally Hebrews thought Nephilim were people in Genesis chapter 6. They were huge. They were just giants. You know, they were huge warriors. Anyway, and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. Caleb says, we got to go up and take it. These other 10 spies say, you're crazy. We are not able to do this. Let's think realistically. Let's think soberly. Let's be reasonable. Let's just be happy right here. Just share the facility with New Philly Shilim. It's not that bad. And if it gets too crowded again here at Hongdae, we'll do another church split. You know, I think that you're on to something, Pastor Christian. We just do another church split. We'll have a third service. If there's no room on Sunday, we'll go to Saturday night. How about that? How, is it Saturday night open? It's going to interfere with joint prayer meeting. Well, we, maybe we'll, we'll get rid of joint prayer meeting. <gasps> well, we can make it work. Let's just stay where we're at. Keep reading verses 1 through 10 of f- chapter 14. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry. Ah! <laughs> yeah, I just did that just for dramatic effect. The people wept that night. Okay, I mean, they they weeping, you know? And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. 
And they're, you know, coming up, Moses, Moses, how can you do this to us? Do you know how many kids I have here? Moses, you crazy. Aaron, Aaron, you crazy too. You are your whole family crazy. You marry him, everybody. You know, they're, they're raising, they're grumbling. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt, it would have been better for us. Or would that we had died in the wilderness. Why is it the Lord is bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? Hey, hey, y'all, let's choose a new leader. Let's go back to Egypt. Maybe they'll take us back. Verse 5, Moses and Aaron fell on their faces. You think they're being dramatic? No. Okay, it's these people. They are about to kill Moses and Aaron. So Moses and Aaron fell to their faces before all the assembly of the congregation. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes. Does not say how nice their clothes were. In fact, they were probably the clothes they had when they left Egypt. In fact, they probably miraculously, after they stored, tore it, it probably came back together. <laughs> they didn't have, you know, Uniqlo out in the wilderness, you know. <laughs> anyway, they tore their clothes, which in the Hebrew culture, in the ancient Near East culture, you tear your clothes. That's like, that's like highest drama. <laughs> like, if they had Korean dramas for Hebrews, <laughs> like, if there was a really high climactic moment in the drama, they would tear the clothes. Okay, it's not a glorious, like, Hulk Hogan thing. This is, like, a dreaded thing. And they said to the congregation, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us do not fear them. Oh, that's a good speech right there. That's like Braveheart's material right there. You know? Men of Israel! Okay, I can't do the Braveheart speech. <laughs> Pastor Benjamin did it for us here one time. Very good. But anyway, um, well, here's their response. Then all the congregation said to stone them. <laughs> for that inspirational speech, we are going to kill you with stones. Uh, fortunately, the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. So glory of God shows up in a physical form, whether it's a cloud or, you know, smog, uh, not smog, smoke, machine, you know, the smoke things, you know, you know, on stage. It's probably what it looked like. All of a sudden, smoke's coming out of nowhere. And we're just like, wait, whoa, that's the glory of God. We don't have fog machines here, so it's got to be glory of God. Now, um. Apologize for all the little side jokes. You may say, uh, maybe the Israelites were just indecisive. Maybe they were just scared. Hey, let's take it easy on them. They've had a traumatic experience. (laughs) Hundreds of years in slavery. Ten plagues. Red Sea. Hungry for meat. Then all of a sudden birds come out of the sky. (laughs) And they've had a pretty trying experience. Maybe they're just scared. Maybe they're just hesitant. There's nothing but just indecisiveness. Well, it could be 
if God had not done all the things that he had done. But in the context of all the miracles and the signs and the faithfulness that God had done, what they were exhibiting at this time is nothing other than rebellion. You see it here when Joshua and Caleb says, do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of these people. Well, if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, where Moses actually recounts this entire incident, Moses calls their refusal to go up into the promised land, he calls it rebellion. And that's exactly what it is in light of all the faithfulness that God has shown. New Philly is like Israel in the sense that we have separate tribes. We have five church campuses that make up our one church. And right now, all the other New Philly tribes are looking to the tribe of Hongdae, formerly known as Hillside. And they're looking to see what our attitude will be as we await to possess the area of Hongdae. Because what we're about to do is going to set a precedence for how they are going to respond to their own stories in their own local context. Will we go up and take possession of Hongdae with faith and fearlessness? Or will we aimlessly wander around the city of Seoul because of our lack of faith? Because of our short-sightedness? As leaders of the house... How are you going to speak to each other and to the members of this congregation about this challenge? How are you going to speak about it? With faith, will you recount all the signs and wonders and testimonies of this house? Or will you be like the 10 spies and only focus on the challenges? And talk about how high the rent is. How expensive the land property and zoning laws are and whatever. Are you going to spread pessimistic, discouraging reports? Or are you going to exhibit the spirit of Caleb? Or, you know, better yet, maybe that's not even where you're at. Maybe your attitude is simply, I'll believe it when I see it. New Philly Hongdae? That's cute. I'm with you. I'm just way in the back here. I'll go with you. But I believe it when I see it. Um, I'm going to let PC and Pastor Aaron carry the weight of this challenge. And I'm just going to enjoy the blessings when the breakthrough comes. What is your attitude? As leaders of the house. As members of this house. What is your attitude right now to where we're at? Are you discerning the time and season we're in? By calling ourselves New Philly Hongdae, I've already put out the faith that this is where God is calling us to. And this was not just discerned by myself, but the core leaders, they all confirmed this several years ago. That we ought not to go to Gangnam, we're saturated with English ministries. We ought to go up into Hongdae, where all the clubs are. Take possession of those clubs. Uh, We didn't say that. But everyone confirmed it. And so we started 
we started casting vision for it, and, and that's how we got here. Now, what you will notice, something that most people don't notice in narrative here, is God, when it came to possessing the promised land, he did not look to the heart and faith of Moses. Well, at least not Moses alone. He looked to the heart and faith of the people. That's you. That's all of you. I'm pretty sure that I'm pleasing God with the faith position I'm in. But God wasn't looking to just Moses. He was looking to the people. And unfortunately, 10 leaders is all it took. 10 leaders. These are, remember, these are not just random people picked out from the 12 tribes. They were the heads of their tribes. They had leadership and influence. So, of course, when they come back and spread a bad report, it's going to spread like wildfire. You know, that's my, that's my uncle. That's my granddaddy. And we're about to find out what happened to these 10 people, by the way. Uh, they have peop- there were people of influence. And all it took was these 10 leaders just to spread a bad report. And the majority of the people were crying out going back to Egypt. Let's go back right now. What will your heart and attitude be in regards to the vision that God has set before you as a community? Because let me tell you something right now. I'm all in. But I'm not convinced you're all in. And that's the truth. Look at verse 11 and 12. The Lord said to Moses... How long will this people despise me? Notice how personally God takes this. It wasn't like, hey, Moses, man, you should be really taking this personally. Because this is your leadership they're looking at, not mine. No, God took this very personally. The way they despised Moses' leadership, God was like, that's personal on me. Because I'm the one who's really in charge here. How long will they despise me? How long will they not believe me? And notice what he says. In spite of all the signs that I've done among them. I will strike them with the pestilence. And disinherit them. And I will make you a nation greater and mightier than they. Christian. How long. Is New Philly Hongdae going to despise me? How long are they going to continue in their little apathy? Their cavalier attitude? Their, I believe it when I see it. Their, I'm just going to follow through and pick PC's breakthrough when it comes. I'll just get to enjoy it. But I don't want to sow nothing into it. How long are they going to continue to not believe in me in spite of all of the signs that I've shown them over the years? Right here, this community that I've been personally leading along with my wife for the last seven, eight years, we have seen God move incredibly in this house. And God is just simply saying, he's just revealing the next part of our story. But there is no faith right now.
And I'm just here, I'm just here to, to point it out, to awaken us. How you respond, that will be up to you from this day forth. But it's my job as a leader to call out what it is. I will strike them with the pestilence. And I will make you a nation greater and mightier than they. And Pastor Christian said, amen. <laughs> of course not. I love y'all. I'll never do that. In fact, what I will do is verses 13 through 19. All right. What does Moses do? I won't read that. But Moses pretty much, he intercedes for the people. And says, look, God, you can't do that. You can't strike them with a play. You crazy. That's going to hurt your reputation. Think about it. Look, man, you remember your promises to Abraham. Whatever. Like, Moses intercedes for the people so that God's anger toward them would relent. And then this is how God responds. Verses 20 to 23. I want you to take note of this. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. But truly as I live and as the, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these 10 times and have not obeyed my voice. None of them shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despise me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully in another translation, follow me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land into which he went. And his descendants shall possess it. Now, since the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valleys, turn tomorrow and set out for the wilderness by the way to the Red Sea. God promises in response. All right, I'll forgive them. I'll pardon them. But check this out. Enough is enough. I swear to you today, Moses, none of them over the age of 20 None of them who came up out of Egypt and saw 10 plagues and miracles, none of them will see the promised land. I swear to you, none of them will. And that's, that's a bit scary. The fear of the Lord should hit your heart. And you think, oh, that's the God of the Old Testament. Oh, no, God's, God of the New Testament is different. He's kind, he's patient, he's, he's unconditional love. Man, what kind of baloney theology are you getting? Where are you getting that from? That is like what cults have believed over the history of church history, where you dichotomize the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. Here's news for you. God is God of both the Old and the New Testament. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of Moses, Joshua, and Caleb. He's also the God of Jesus, the Apostle Paul. He is the God over it all. And you have to understand the whole counsel of God when you understand the character of God. And the Bible says God is a God who is slow to anger, rich in love. It says he's slow to anger. It doesn't say he's never going to reach the point of anger. He's slow, mind you. Ten times he was tested, by the way. God doesn't fail to mention that. And he, and he says enough is enough. I've taken this personally. They will not see it. I mean, in just a few months, they could have gone in. Think about that. Geographically, it would just been a couple months, not even a couple months. And for 40 years, they wander in the desert. And God says, you know why it was 40 years? Do you know why it was 40 years? God said, for every day they spied out the land, they will wander in this wilderness, and then they shall die. 
So the, how many days they smile at the land? 40 days. Or you get the 40 years. Words of the Lord, not mine. <clears throat> Except for Caleb. But Caleb gets in. And Caleb, not only Caleb, but Joshua. The, oh, the only two spies that actually stayed in the place of faith. Tore their clothes. Okay? All right, so if, you, if, you, if nobody's going to go in, and you realize that 99% of Hongdae does not want to go in, and you, but you're that 1%, you got that spirit of Joshua and Caleb, be sure to tear your clothes. Ah, you guys are just stubborn, stiff-necked people. And God will be like, I remember Stephen Franklin. <laughs> I remember what he did on that day of rebellion. None of you will see it. It's like Stephen Franklin, he's going to have all kinds of property in the city of Seoul. He's going to have all kinds of influence in this nation. So, yeah. Uh, Verses 26 to 34. And the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron saying, how long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I've heard the grumblings of the people, which they grumble against me. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness. And all of your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me. Not one shall come into land where I swore that I will make you dwell except Stephen Franklin, uh, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones who you said will become prey to all these mighty people. I will bring them in and they shall know the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years and shall suffer for your faithfulness. Faithlessness until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness, according to the number of days in which you spied out the land. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> I believe Israel, it says in the New Testament, is given to us as a lesson book for the nations. Israel's stories are recorded down for us so that the church and God's people that are represented today can learn from the lessons, from the mistakes that they made back thousands of years ago. And what is this story saying to us today? You know, Leonard Ravenhill, he's, you know, his famous quote, he says, you know, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the window of that opportunity, right? Something like that. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the window of that opportunity. Meaning that certain opportunities that God may give you, it's not open indefinitely. There's like an expiration date, like to milk. Well, there's an expiration date to some of God's promises. And you might be like, well, no, God's an unconditional God. He's going to wait for me forever. Look, you only have like 70 years to 80 years on this earth. No, he's not going to wait forever logically. And two, no, he does not wait indefinitely. There is a window of opportunity. And when it's run out or you've tested him several times, he may very well say that's enough. You shall not see it. Except just two people. In fact, your children are going to suffer for your faithlessness. And eventually, they're going to come in and possess it, not you.
What happened to these 10 spies? <laughs> if you read in verse 36 or 38, it tells us that the 10 spies got hit by a plague and they all died. And right afterward, the Israelites, in verse 39 to 45, they tell Moses that they're very sorry about what they've done. And they all mourn greatly. And then you know what they say? They rise early in the morning, and they say, we're going to go up to the hill country. We're going to go up and possess the promised land, Moses. We're going to do it, you know? We should have done it earlier, but, you know, never too late, right? Never too late. We're going to go up and take it. You know what Moses says? Verses 41 and 43. Do not go up, for the Lord is not among you. Because you have turned back from following the Lord, the Lord will not be with you. Meaning it's too little, too late. Read verses 44 and 45. Look at this. But the Israelites, they presumed to go up to the heights of the hill country. Although neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, right, which represents the presence of the Lord, nor Moses, which represents the leadership and vision that God had given, none of those things were with them. None of them departed out of the camp. Verse 45, then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in the hill country came down and defeated them and pursued them even to Horma, meaning that they got the beatdown of their life. You know, the Bible tells us that how Israel presumptuously goes up and tries to atone for their mistakes, that this also was rebellion in God's sight. Now, what am I trying to say today? What am I trying to say? New Philly Hongde, God has made us great and very special promises as a church. He's called us to steward them faithfully. He's called us to grow into greater influence. He's called us to, he said that he promised that he'll give us his blessing from the KM to be an independent church. And then he gave it to us, and it says, now is the time. Let's move. But there's been no movement. There's been no faith. There's been very little prayer. As a congregation here, and I don't know, I don't know who to blame. Is it the newcomers who came in the last couple of years? Or is it the old people that have been with us from the beginning? Who is the one more guilty of apathy and unbelief? All I know is when I go to the place of prayer, I feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. Meaning that I feel like I'm the only one carrying this burden. Like Moses felt. When he longed to see Israel go into the promised land. But he realized God wasn't just looking to his faith and heart. He was looking to the heart and faith of the people. God has brought us thus far with the mighty hand and an outstretched arm. 
This is a time for you to rise up in the spirit of Caleb and Joshua. Let's rise up. Begin to believe. Begin to want it. Here's the real test of whether you really want it or not. Majority of you in here, let me ask you this. If we did not ever go to Hongdae, or we didn't go to Hongdae within the last next two years, would it, well, how would you feel about that? Doesn't make a difference to me. As long as we have powerful worship and good preaching and a wonderful, loving community, isn't this what it's about? Church being here to serve me? Church being here to clean me up? Church here to just serve me and mature me and meet all my needs and counseling needs? Isn't that what the church is here for? Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Ephesians 4.11, God has given apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's our philosophy from day one. We don't believe that the staff of the church or the leaders of the church, the pastors of the church, the full-time staff are supposed to do all the ministry. We believe you're supposed to carry the ministry with the anointing of Isaiah 61. And it's been working beautifully. Our leaders, even our youngest leaders, even our college student leaders who've been only with us for like a semester. Amazing how God powerfully uses them. Sets people free wherever they go. How we send them on a, on a random mission trip to the Far East. Anywhere. And they just, they just prosper. They just have great attitudes. Hearts of thanksgiving and joy. It's working. That's our, that's our vision is to equip the saints. So, no, yes, we are here to serve you and to clean you up and to heal you. But, no, that's not the end. That's just a process to stewarding something bigger than you. Something that affects the city, that affects the Korean people, that affects the whole of the reunification of this land. That's going to affect indigenous pastors in 18 different countries all over Asia. That's going to affect a whole people in Australia. Maybe New Zealand. Uh, <laughs> that's going to affect cities that traditionally Christianity has not been able to break through in. People like people, uh, not people, cities like Tokyo. You know, everybody tells me nobody can break through in Tokyo. Nobody, not even like Bill Johnson, Che An, you know, one of all these big charismatic leaders. Not even the reform leaders. Not even Tim Keller can make much headway in, in Tokyo. Oh, but, but let me tell you about a church. Let me tell you about a church in Korea that's, that's growing. With some people down in Australia that's growing. With some mighty warriors that are growing. With a forerunner spirit. Oh, we're going to take Tokyo. Perhaps Lord willing Taiwan. I, but Taiwanese people need to speak better English. We, we need... Because our, our, our ministry is primarily English... We're not going to be, uh, unless, Stephanie, you have a heart to develop a Taiwanese branch of our church leadership, then we will be willing to send those Taiwanese-speaking leaders. Uh, but, you know, we believe we're a city within a city. You know, we influence the English-speaking leaders of the city and disciple them well, and they're going to go out and be a blessing to the entire nation. That's just a simple vision. So today... We have set before us this wilderness 
Are you going to be happy with the manna? Or are you going to go in and take possession of the fruit of the land? Do you want to enjoy the fruit of the land? Do you want to go month to month? Or do you want to enjoy the blessing of God? You know, there's a difference between provision of God and the blessing of God. That's what Pastor Benjamin talked about this past week. The provision of God is, Lord, I got, I got $500 in bills and I only got $200 in the bank. Lord, provision. Lord, I need your provision. Jehovah Jireh, provide for me. And then, and then a check for $300 comes in. Oh, hallelujah. You pay the bills and you broke. That's the provision. It's just temporary. That's the way it was meant to be. That's the manna. Temporary. Every day you have to go out and collect it. Here's the blessing. A land flowing with milk and honey. A land of abundance. Resources that, you will, that will blow your mind. Will cause you to dream much bigger and plan much more elaborately because of the incredible blessings that you have access to. That's the blessing. And just as God's calling Pastor Benjamin to bring living hope from seasons of provision in the wilderness to go in and possess the promised land through his blessing. God's saying something similar for us. We may be a young congregation, but look, it's time for us. It's time for us to stop living pay to, paycheck to paycheck and start believing the Lord to start writing stories of breakthrough and favor where you can come to positions of influence. You know, two weeks ago, I went to a concert at the Sejong Cultural Arts Center. Huge concert hall. One of the biggest in Korea, right? It's not one of the biggest. It's like second biggest or third biggest. Anyway, it's a really beautiful concert hall. It's got little TV screens behind every seat. You know, really huge concert hall. And one of the fathers of one of our college students, who's at New Philly Shilim now, her father was the conductor for the entire concert. And there were like, I don't know, like, 200 orchestra members on stage and then about a choir of 100, 120 people. And the concert was done purely by volunteers, uh, professional level musicians who volunteered because the concert was to raise awareness for orphan, the plight of Korean orphans and to raise money to help scholarship, college scholarships for these orphans. Sound very familiar, right? Similar to Orchestry Project minus, you know, the, the mentoring aspect. But when I went there, I mean, Pastor Sky went as well. My mom, I took my mama and my wife, right? We all went along with our baby in the belly coming up soon. Uh, <clears throat> and baby was loving it. Baby was kicking during, during the whole concert, right? You know, they're doing yo, 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 yo Ma, you know, the, the tango, you know. You, know, you want tango? You know, <laughs> and I sat there. We had, like, VIP seats because she hooked it up, like, just right in the middle, you know, and... Um, I was looking on the stage, and, and my, my heart melted for a second. The sons and daughters of our house, when will we ever steward this kind of influence? I mean, if we got to, influ- if we got to steward this next year, it would be incredible. Because the awesome like, kingdom culture that we carry in our hearts, they would run it. They would... They would revamp the entire like mentoring system you know like i I, even if john michael inherited this entire huge concert scale i mean that would be incredible i mean the whole place was packed thousands and thousands of people and my heart melted for a second and i said man when are we ever going to get there lord 
like the, the pace we're at, the momentum we're at, it's going to take a thousand years. And the Lord said, all you got to do is believe. That's my part. I'll take you there. Your part is believe and inspire belief in the hearts of your people. You know, some of our older generation elders in Korea who are 70 and 80 years old today, it blows their mind the type of influence, type of riches, type of property that they store today. Because just 50, 60 years ago, Korea was a war-torn nation filled with poverty, orphans running around the street, stray dogs everywhere. And God wrote their stories. Well, you, well, that was a place of poverty. Of course, there's going to be a turnaround. Well, now that it's saturated, God's going to stop working. No, God's not done yet. There's still so much renewal that needs to take place. He wants the remnant of his people scattered across the city like yeast. It just takes a little bit to work through the entire city, the entire dough. That's why the kingdom's like yeast. The kingdom is like a mustard seed. You just need it. You don't need the majority of the city. You just need the remnant to be the remnant. Y'all with me today? I'm going to go on for another 30 minutes. Because this is New Philly Hongdae. And this is a message just for y'all. But the Lord says that's enough. (laughs) I want to just take this moment. We're going to pray. And I want us to pray as a house. as As a covenant community together. Some of you may be new to our church and thinking, why is Pastor Christian going on in this long rant? Some of you may be in here for years and thinking, come on, Christian, things have grown, but, you know, it's going to be the same old, same old. Don't get too ambitious. I don't know what your attitude is, but I know there's a majority of you that is just an apathy. If it happens, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't harm me doesn't bother me one bit. And I'm here to say, in light of all that God has done in your life, in this house, that kind of attitude is just straight rebellion. God's taking us somewhere. Question is, do you trust him to take us there? How badly do you want it? You know, football teams that win Super Bowl championships... When they, have, when they face all kinds of challenges, it's only those teams that want it badly that will fight through injuries, fight through team strife to go and win that championship. There's going to be challenges to going into Hongdae. Just, just going into this, to the area of Hongdae is going to be a huge challenge. How badly do you want it? How much are you going to cry out to God? Are you going to cry out in despair like the Israelites who heard the bad report? Are you going to cry out in faith? God, let your kingdom come and your will be done. All of this power, healing, deliverance I've experienced is not just for me. There are many more that you want to touch. There are many more even in the 1820 Asian nations that you want to touch. India and Nepal, Myanmar and Pakistan. When we were in the Philippines two weeks ago, 
all of those native pastors they kept crying out to us please send us a new Philly team please send us a team we've heard about the reputation your church is carrying how you move in the power of God's word and in the power of the Holy Spirit and our church people we desperately need the outpouring of the spirit we desperately need the touch of the anointing please send a team and they're crying out and I'm here in Korea trying to just muster up troops to go on 12 teams and I can't even get you to fill 12 teams I'm calling on the men we have a lack of men men please rise up and only one man responds and we're not even sure if he's going to go on the mission trip I've led you here thus far New Philly I'm not happy with where we're landing right now especially the attitude of our hearts God's taking us somewhere and you're either in or you're not and if the majority of you are not in God may simply lose his patience and move on and it will be a real shame if everything that we built up here in this church culture gets wasted because of apathy and unbelief and forgetfulness come on church let us pray right now to possess to possess those things that God has promised us the promises God made to Abraham Isaac and Jacob are true not only for the Hebrew slaves of Egypt they are true here for the house of New Philly those promises made to Abraham are promises that are made to you and me today I will bless you and I will make you a, a great nation and you will be blessing to all the peoples of the earth you are blessed to be a blessing people of God Raise your voices right now. Let's begin to cry out to God. Come on. Because believe God for what He is saying at this hour. a matter of us just going to home there this is a matter of us taking our steps of faith to see the fulfillment of every promise every dream that God has laid on our hearts we have this core value dream big and we have leaders here that are dreaming big but there's a journey there's a story to get us to that place and it takes steps of faith it takes us recounting 
the signs and wonders of our God. Remember the leadership retreats where God has poured out his spirit. Remember the church wide retreats, just the last two church wide retreats. How powerfully God moved. Remember what the, the, our spiritual elders said. Pastor Dr. Kirby Clements, what he prophesied. Remember what Pastor Robert Daniel said. This is not the time for us to be shy. We have to rise up and be big. We got to be a big house. We got to be a mighty house. This is the time for the weak to say, I am strong. Stop saying, I am weak. I am a nobody. I'm inadequate. No, let the weak say, I am strong. Because Christ is in you, the hope of glory. This is not just about us going to a different section of soul. This is about us fulfilling everything that God has been speaking to our hearts. And this affects not only this house, but it affects Itaewon, it affects Sydney, it affects Busan, because all their eyes are on us right now. And we're the first tribe. We are the firstborn among many sons. New Philly Hillside, now known as Hongdae, you are the firstborn among many sons. You know, for newcomers who, who are like, oh, what's going on? Why are people crying? All that stuff. You know, you have to understand our history. None of this bothers us. For the majority of us, we've seen God break out in even greater supernatural signs and wonders. And if you've never seen that, you're missing out on a huge part of your faith. This is part of your inheritance. It's a supernatural spiritual experience of God. God is a supernatural God. He does miracles and healing still. He still speaks by words of prophecy very accurately. And he moves with great power. You can't see electricity. You can't see gravity. But you touch a socket that's live and you're going to start to shake under that power. Well, the same thing with the power of God. You may not see the anointing, but when the anointing, you come in contact with that anointing through a man of God or through just God sovereignly touching you where you are, you're going to shake and you're going to begin to manifest the presence of God right here and now. And so if you don't have a grid, I just gave you the grid. If you're getting bothered by it, get over it. It's part of your faith. Some people have theorized that God's done away with it. And I'm here to tell you they're wrong. God's still moving with power on this earth. It may look strange. It may look weird. That's the same thing they said on the day of Pentecost. Our God is not just a normal God. Our God is a God of sovereignty. A God of power. He is to be feared among the nations. A God who will vindicate justice. There will be a day of his reckoning where every eye will see that Jesus is Lord, but also every sin that was committed, every injustice that was committed will not go unpunished. Lord willing, the end times draws near, whether in our lifetime or our children's lifetime. 
if our theology is weak and our experience of God's power is lacking, I'm afraid that we, even the disciples of New Philly will not be able to withstand the testing of that hour. And people will be tempted to great disillusionment because the only God that they read about is the God of unconditional love. That's the God of the New Testament that they dichotomize and dismiss 80% of the Bible, which is the Old Testament. God is a God same yesterday, today, and forever. God is a God of meekness and humility, a humble king. But you have to understand that what Jesus was like at his first coming, that's not the whole picture of what Jesus is like. So many evangelical Christians, we take the totality of that first coming and we paint a picture of Jesus as just this gentle, loving dude who's always kind and always sweet. But that's not the picture of Jesus the Bible paints of us. There's coming a second coming when Jesus is going to come with an iron scepter and he's going to rule the nations and the increase of his government will know no end. The foundations of his throne are righteousness and justice. It's not fluffy meekness and gentleness. He knows the evil that's being done on this earth. He knows even the sins you're committing right now in the private places. And he wants to shine a light and say, repent today. Draw near to me today. Stop your wicked ways today. Do not waste your life here on this earth. I created you with your purpose. You are my workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which I prepared in advance for you to do. So wake up and live a new life. Come on, we'll keep, let's keep on praying right now. I just want to keep on praying. Come on. Keep praying. If you don't have a desire, if you're not jealous for Hongde, then ask God to take your heart of stone and apathy and to give you a heart of flesh. If you don't care, tell God, Lord, I want to care. But Lord, I, I just got to admit, I just don't care. And I need you to come and put your spirit in me. Show me what you're showing, Pastor Christian. Show me what you've shown these core leaders. And I want to want what you want, God. I want to see the larger implications, oh God. Come on, pray that right now. Come on, New Philly. Are you an army or are you an army? no closing praise. I'm just going to close in prayer. Father, I pray right now for New Philly Hongde. I pray for this covenant community, Lord. You have been so faithful to us. Predominantly made up of people who did not grow up seeing your power. 
did not grow up feeling your presence. And you have been so rich. You have been so generous to us, so gracious and good to us. We've tasted the goodness of the Lord. We've tasted and seen it. And Lord God, we are just so thankful, God, of how great and good you have been to this church. But Father, we know all the blessings you've given us are with a purpose. For we're blessed to be a blessing. And you're calling us to steward more than what we currently steward. Although we're content to see how powerfully you're using our church right now. Lord, we do not desire just to stay wandering in the wilderness. Constantly borrowing. We want to be the head and not the tail. We want to lend and not borrow. We want your blessing to overtake us so in such a way that we come up to new levels of influence, new levels of stewardship here in this city and here in this nation and to the nations. And so, Father, I pray right now today, awakening of hearts. I pray for the fear of the Lord to accompany every memory of this message. And that there will be a shaking that we will not forget to tremble before your presence, God. Because you are an awesome God. You are a loving and kind God. But you are also a God with a purpose. And you're taking us somewhere. And we don't want to drag our feet. We don't want to waste your time. And we don't want to just be selfish about the blessings we've received. We want to be faithful stewards, oh God. We want to prove faithful, God. We want to not just be faithful, but we want to be fruitful, God. We want to be faithful and fruitful to the glory of your name, Lord. We want to live lives that are worthy of the calling you've given us, oh God. We want to live lives, oh God, filled with faith, oh God. We want to live, oh God, with the spirit of Joshua and Caleb upon us, oh God. So awaken hearts today. Awaken us to care. Awaken us to burn with holy jealousy. For your kingdom come, for your will to be done here in this city, here in this community. For we recognize how it's all connected to a bigger plan. Lord, I pray you would forbid our church from running out of your patience and perishing in the wilderness. So many churches started off strong but ended up dying in the wilderness. God, we desire to be a different house. We don't, we don't desire to be like Israel. We want to learn from Israel's mistakes. So Jesus, as you are the head of this church, the chief shepherd and overseer of our souls, once again today, we submit to you and we say, Lord, have your way in us. We open our hearts to want what you want, to go in the direction that you desire. So come, Lord, and move with great power once again. Pour out your spirit upon all flesh. The spirit of Caleb and Joshua. The spirit of Caleb, which wholeheartedly follows the Lord. Be upon you now. Be upon you now. 
New Philly. New Philly home there. In Jesus' name.